Welcome back, travelers, to another episode of Relish the Journey. As always, I'm your host, Miles Biggs. Tonight, I'm joined by Fabian Wintel. She and her partner, Liz, are the entrepreneurs behind Tourism Tribe, an award-winning online education and support platform based in Australia. And they help people in, in tourism businesses have a sustainable business, doing what they love no matter where they're located. Their passions lie in guiding service-based entrepreneurs from a state of digital incompetence to one of mastery. They've given thousands of business owners the digital tools and confidence to compete in a digital business world. And now Fabian's talking to me. So Fabian, thanks for joining me. Oh, thanks so much for having me. And I got to say, this is actually the first time I've actually talked to somebody from the future. So this is very special. <laughs> How many hours? 14 <laughs> hours ahead of you? Yeah, it's something wild. I was When we were lining up the interview, I was thinking about that. I was like, wow, you were going to be in a completely different day than me across yeah, the world. That's pretty wild. And try and run um, online webinars with people from all around the world in different time zones. <laughs> yeah, so that's got to be a thing, right? Like you keep some odd hours, I'm assuming? Yeah, we try. We try. It's funny being in Australia. Um, it works quite well with the US and with Europe as well, um, would you believe? So, um, yeah, we, we are able not to be up in the middle of the night and cover all sorts of time zones. That's great. Well, I'm glad <laughs> you're able to join. And before we hit record... I feel like I'd, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the, the subject of the day here, at least the United States, is the coronavirus. And in my day job in marketing, we're seeing it affect different industries, tourism being one of those. And that's your bread and butter here is tourism. So I'm curious, one, are you guys really seeing it a lot in Australia? And two, how you're seeing it impact your business and your clients' businesses right now? Mm. Well, we, as you said at the start, Australia is ahead of everyone, but actually with the coronavirus, we're a bit behind. So we've got the luxury to be able to see what's happening around the world. Obviously, tourism has been hit very hard. Our government has closed borders um, from 9pm tonight, which is about to happen. And there's obviously been a big downturn in tourism domestic um, tourism, which are Australians travelling within Australia, is still happening and, you know, it, it's still a huge market. But um, with corona, it has changed a lot of things. And unfortunately, we've seen a lot of our members because we run an online training portal and website for tourism businesses around the world. We've, we've started getting our first emails from our members that probably were casual employees amongst tourism businesses saying they've lost their job. Oh, wow. So, yeah, we're putting things in place to try and actually keep them uh, on board of Tourism Tribe. So hopefully in a few months they, you know, they're still skilled and can be hired um, in other businesses. But who knows how long it's, it's going to take. Yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy to hear those statistics. I live in Pennsylvania, and mm -hmm. I just heard a stat for my state that in the past couple of days alone, there have been almost 200,000 applications to the unemployment office, so people that are out of work in just a few yeah. days. So it's it's, like, it's staggering. It's like a really bad movie. It is. Mm. It is exactly gotta, I guess. like a movie. You know, there's a movie called, um, I think Quarantine is a movie, right? Something. There's definitely right. been movies about these pandemics and it's all coming true right now. That, yeah. I've heard some people joke that this is how every zombie apocalypse movie starts, is oh, the virus and then the subsequent, you know, injections we all get to try to fight the virus that turns into zombies so hopefully that doesn't yeah. happen i mean we'll see how australia fares you know um i don't know if you've been in australia before but everything's quite far away once you leave the cities everything's quite a distance 
from each other. For example, I live in the middle of nowhere, uh, which is a little tourism town with, let's say, 2,500 people by the beach. And our closest um, hospital is an hour and a half drive. Our closest um, huge shopping centres and everything is an hour and a half drive. So we get a lot of tourists from the Greyhound bus. We don't know if there's been cases um, here yet, but, you know, everything is so further away that we are hoping the distance may be able to delay things a bit longer than than it has in Europe, um, allowing to flatten the curve, how they call it. Yeah, and I'm sure it will. That's that's quite a difference from any of the big metropolitan areas. So that yeah, the fact that Australia is an like, island to begin with helps. Um, it, let's hope, let's hope. But <laughs> yeah. we will see, you know, in a month's time what things are like. I mean, we can only put processes in place. And, I mean, for me, um, so our business hasn't really been affected because, first of all, we all web-based. Like, we have a totally decentralised approach. When we set up Tourism Tripe five years ago, I was still travelling around Australia in my, with my laptop in my caravan with my husband and two kids. Um, so <laughs> because of, I guess, of our IT background, everything is web-based. Um, we can work from anywhere and all our training is delivered online. So not much has really changed for us in terms of, you know, there's not been that mad rush to move the email server online or, right. or so online, what of our clients, what some of our clients are expecting. Um, but we've certainly been helping out a lot of our members, a lot of businesses with, you know, simple tips of how to run an online business and so on. Sure. Obviously, you can't run tours online, um, but you can be a little bit more prepared, I guess, to have access to everything if you have to shut the office. Right. And I think people that already have the platforms, like you talked mm -hmm. about, are the people that are best positioned to grow out of this misfortune because they've got the platform already. And now it's going to turn into a content generation game to people. People are, <laughs> are stuck at home. Right. So a lot of all people, right. all people are doing are streaming content or, or surfing the internet and they're taking courses to educate themselves. And so people like you are very well positioned to take advantage of it. But you know, enough of the virus talk. That's the people are tired of he hearing about it. I don't want to do a whole episode about coronavirus. I was just curious. It's not too often I get to talk to somebody literally across the world. So mm. I had to get in some current events there. But I want to no get back. Worries, yeah, I want to get back to what you talked about traveling Australia in a caravan with your husband and kids and a laptop. You know, a little bit of the origin story of Tourism Tribe, how you got started, why you got started, your whole launch into entrepreneurship. Well, I might start. A little bit further away than five years ago. Oh, go so for it. I, yeah. I actually grew up in a ski resort in the French Alps of Switzerland. We're in the Swiss French Alps. Um, and I always loved tourism, you know, being amongst it forever. And I came to Australia for a gap year, how you would call it, and then decided that when I went back, I was going to go to university and I wanted to study tourism. But you couldn't really study tourism. You could only be a travel agent. So I decided to study IT. And then I came to Australia once again, and I decided to stay and study more. So I then did a master's in tourism. And I put the two and two together and um, founded a company. It was then called Untangle My Web to help tourism businesses leverage the internet. Hmm. I still remember to the day I actually walked in to sign up for my master's degree on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. I went to university and I talked to the course lecturer and said, oh, well, 
I've got a master's in IT. Do you reckon there's something to do with tourism in the internet? And as you can imagine, that was a long time ago. <laughs> right. And we're here now. So, um, so yeah, I started untangling my web, then I met my husband, and then one day to another, we were actually, um, we were caravanning, we were just on holidays in an RV, how you'd call it, we call it a caravan, and uh, we were in Agnes Water, where I live now, funny enough, and my husband um, was then working for, another, for a small company, and they changed his contract, and I said, Warwick, shall we just go travelling around Australia? And, um, you know, the kids were, I think, two and one, almost one years old. And, yeah, we made that decision and, and since then, you know, every, the hardest bit was to actually make the decision with anything that you do and then it all fell into place and, you know, self, well, we, we pretty much got a lot of sponsors um, travelling around Australia. Being a tourism digital marketer, as you can imagine, I found ways to, to, to cre- generate content um, basically uh, for sponsors around um during our travels and in those days we were not called influencers we were just called travel bloggers right. so we approached a lot of um, Australian companies you know camping companies everything you can think of and our, our kind car was so sign written um, with all our sponsors that everywhere we pulled up uh, people just looked us up and within a minute they already knew we hadn't even reversed the RV into the campground that you know they knew the kids names and everything and a journey because they'd looked up um, our blog oh that's really cool that's yeah really so cool. we had we had such a great time my husband was a, a commercial drone pilot so drones were just starting you know five six years ago in Australia so we created a lot of content for caravan parks and yeah we're really welcomed with open arms I remember this time we were in Tasmania which is a little island at the very south of Australia and we had a lot of followers on Facebook and um we rocked up and said, oh, where, where shall we stay? And this lady said, oh, well, I'm not here, but just drive in my property. And you can imagine like a huge property with horses and everything. She said, oh, just drive up. There's the key to our house. Uh, this is the code for the internet. Just park there for five days and we'll see you when we when we get home. Wow. You know, the, the type of hospitality we have experienced is just out of this world. So... Yeah, we, we travelled and then um, we, we got to Agnes Water where we pretty much started with the, making that decision and decided to stay here. The the kids were a bit older then and we found a great daycare where, you know, they could interact with other children because it can be quite lonely being a, you know, a youngster in a caravan at, at the age where you want to discover more of the world than just your parents and camping at a different spot <laughs> every sure. five days. Yeah, that's real. So um, they loved it so much. I remember they were in daycare and um, and the people at daycare said, oh, it's so funny. Like every time we go outside, your kids just want to stay inside and learn and not go play outside. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So we, yeah, we decided, to, um, we decided to buy a big block of land and um, then we decided to go on another adventure, which is to buy, I don't know if you can do that in the US, um, we decided to buy a very old house, very old for Australia, is about 100 years old. Uh, we bought it five hours, five hours away and they put it on a truck and they brought it in two parts to our block and then we've been renovating it for the last two years. Wow, that's <laughs> so quite that's the adventure. How, yeah, that's probably more of an adventure. And obviously during that time, this is when Tourism Tribe was born. So, um, you know, as I mentioned I had undertaken my work before and Liz Ward and I had been friends for many, many years and many glasses of wine in the industry and we always said one day we're going to do something. And when you, you know, I'd been travelling 
prior to being in the caravan, I was traveling in, around Australia. I was basically in the airport three times a week going to different destinations, delivering training to tourism business and on, on what to do with this internet thing. And it's more than just your website. And we're like, there must be a better way. There must be a better way to than having to travel because you deliver a workshop and people, you would know that, you're a marketer. People are all motivated to do something and then they go back in the daily grind and, and they kind of fall off the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. So we decided to create a, an online environment where businesses can really thrive after that initial contact, you know, even if you haven't had the initial contact. We now run the initial contact uh, as an interactive webinar, uh, but we find it's, it's so much better for the industry because we're there all along. We're like the, the digital expert at their fingertips. A lot of the tourism, a lot of tourism businesses um, are really small businesses, mum and dad operator, how we refer to them. So they don't have they don't have the funds for a marketer, you know, full time, especially now, um, in this you know these hard difficult times that we're going through. So um, yeah, we're there. We're there just the extended fingertips for digital advice and help, and it's working really well. So with the IT background, then how have you? I'm sensing a theme here, right? You love to travel. You had schooling in IT. And now you found a way to marry technology and the internet and online courses with getting out and exploring the world. It sounds really easy when I say it that way, right? But I'm sure there were challenges along the way. Has it been hard to integrate those two different ideas into this one business? Actually, well, no. For me, it just comes to me really easily. But I guess what's harder and I'm the entrepreneur, you know, I love what I do. I wake up every day without an alarm and I'm so keen to get going. Uh, what's been really a challenge is balance family life and, you know, going out and doing other things. I love exploring, but I just love helping people. I love designing processes to make people's lives easier and business lives easier. So sometimes I find it's hard to stop and actually, you know, finish work. I work from home, so there is no time to actually drive home and think about something else. Um, so sometimes it's just difficult to find that, that balance with your family life. Is that, is that the case for you too? Yeah, it can be, especially now that I'm working from home with what's going on in the world. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've noticed that. I've lost, I just have a half hour drive to work, but that's when I listen to an audiobook or a podcast or I'll call my mom and catch up with her, you know, and now yeah. my commute is down the flight of stairs and I don't have that. And so it, it is a whole different dynamic. So I can totally relate with that. And like you, here it is, it's 9.30 PM where I am. My whole family is asleep and I'm up working still doing things because I love doing it and it's fun. And it can be hard to turn it off and think about non-work things. So I totally relate with that. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, working online and being a real advocate for using smart tools. Every time I do go to the cities and I do, you know, still travel a lot for work, but I see these people stuck in traffic and I'm like, oh, you should be able to work from home. You should be able to work yeah. from home. You're just going to go and sit in an office in front of a computer. But it's true that that commute um, does, does have a purpose and I'm finding this is kind of difficult um, for me. So I try and go, you know, every morning we have a stand-up meeting at 9am. I try and go for a walk on the beach and everyone gets jealous because I'm just walking on the beach for our staff meeting. Oh, man. Yeah, I would not want to know you were walking on the beach for the staff meeting. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that's been the difficult bit for me. I've always been able to, you know, leverage tech smartly. So pulling it all together is not a problem. 
Um, sometimes I get so super excited about things that are a bit techy and maybe some of our, our tourism tribe businesses don't always get that excited. Um, so I'm really enthusiastic and someone I've just got to, sometimes I just have to dumb it down and, and talk business more than tech. But otherwise, it's not, it's really not been problematic. I guess it's what allowed us to get where we are quite fast, if you think about it. Yeah, um, and you another, really seem to ride the wave of it. Like you were a quote unquote digital nomad, it sounded like in, in the caravan before that was a thing. You were untangling the web before many people understood that it could be used for business. And now you're doing online courses. Seems like you've been doing them for a while while a lot of people are just starting to get into it. So you've. That's right. You've, and um, I mean, it, it's interesting because there's obviously organizations that, you know, um, that run training for their members and, you know, tourism organisations around the world and we work with a lot of them. And when um, COVID-19 hits, you said, you know, I'm like, well, we're just going to, you know, for me it doesn't change anything. I'm just going to email the participants because we have to travel to different locations in Australia to deliver training for, for this program. And I said, I'm just going to email the participants that there's been a change of meeting room from loca physical location A to online. And for me it's, you know, no problem. I'll just run a Zoom webinar or a Zoom meeting, actually, in this instance. Uh, but for some of our clients, you know, understanding that that was going to be a really easy thing to, to do was not as simple as it is for me. Right. I've so actually some... read articles where some companies are having to rent laptops for their wow. employees to take home because they only had desktop machines. And there was no way for them to work from home unless they were physically carrying PCs out of the office. Yeah, so, all, all these things that as entrepreneurs, it, I mean, is <laughs> we've set up our businesses to be able to work pretty much from anywhere. So that doesn't really change much. But I see that there's a lot of um, legacy systems out there that, you know, that have been brought to the surface and, uh, yeah, haven't been, haven't been dealt with. I remember we had really bad floods in Queensland um, 10 years ago when my daughter was born and I started getting emails from hotmail addresses from big CEOs of large companies. <laughs> uh, yeah, they still had their email servers in the office, you know. <laughs> so they were, they, there's, I mean, thinking about me for my business, we're so flexible, it's easy. We make a decision, we make it happen, you know. We, are, we need to run a meeting, quickly open a Zoom room, but it's much more difficult for large companies to make it happen. And so I'm curious, you seem to be like, the trend predictor here with the way you've managed your business. If you had to predict what's the next big thing coming with, with where tech meets entrepreneur, you know, in the business world, what's the next trend that you've started to see change or arrive that you, maybe you're taking advantage of that the rest of us might be slow on the uptake? Oh, geez, that's a hard one. You know, working in the digital world, what I absolutely love is actually going and meet people. And <laughs> sure. And, and, and uh, you get a lot of um, what you can't get in online and what you can get in real meetings. Uh, even if you're meeting with people that live in the same region and run businesses in the same industry, they, they don't actually take the time to go and see one another and develop these, these bonds. You know, like we have a lot of businesses that come to our workshops and let's say we have 40 people in a workshop and there's a tour operator and there's a restaurateur and there's an accommodation business, you realize that they don't actually gather and have a chat to one another very often. So <laughs> it's difficult to say this clearly not going to happen now, but you asked me two or three months ago, I think the trend, trend would be to really take these relationships that you've developed online and try 
and cement them offline. Because, yeah, talking to people face-to-face with other people in the room and develop these these relationships is just creates a spark that I haven't been able to find online. And in many ways, analog is going to become the new digital, right? This can be the new fun thing to That's actually right. have a right. conversation or maybe write a letter or, you know, do a direct mail campaign. Oh, my gosh, not an email campaign. Imagine getting a postcard from someone. Yeah. So I, I think I've seen that start to happen in a few things, like the direct mail one specifically, where people's inboxes are just crowded. We're getting spam text messages now, but we still open the mail, you know, so and not everyone's doing it. So you have a chance to cut through the noise. So it's all cyclical, I guess they say. Yeah. Do you remember when, um, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, you know, people were able to then book their flights online and it was going to be the death of travel agents. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And you know that that clearly hasn't happened. And I've I've had friends, you know, that were stuck in Iceland um, two days ago, actually Australian friends, just before they closed the EU borders. And uh, I saw waking up on my Facebook that they were on the way back. And I said, oh, you know, what was the warning? And she said, well, a travel agent called us in the middle of the night, said you've got to start driving to the airport, otherwise you're never going to make it home, and you've got to be in Iceland for three months. So so that travel agent, you know, it's clearly not the website uh, where you might might have booked your flight that would have done that in the middle of the night the role of the travel agent is still definitely there it's just changed yeah and that specific travel agent too because i don't know if every travel agent would have called in the middle of the night so that's awesome that's right that's a great story yeah. so tell me more about tourism tribe and these courses and you mentioned a word that i really like you said processes earlier which i i get a kick out of taking a problem or a mistake that continues to happen and happen and trying to boil it down to a checklist that can be followed and then the right thing can be repeatable. And so I'm curious, in your world, you mentioned restaurant tours and all these different types of tourism. If you start to see some of the similar mistakes happening across niches within tourism and other businesses and processes you've, you've implemented and courses you've done to fix it, it's, I feel like there's a story to be told there. So... I think what is missing in a lot of the businesses that we train, I mean, you know, we um, we run health checks for businesses and we assess all the online assets and we constantly see that, that what is missing is the planning piece for their content. So we're talking at the beginning of this conversation um, about content and how it is so important. And we find that people in the industry still you know, the majority of them would wake up one day and go, oh, what shall I post on social media? They haven't really brought or processized uh, their business and their content in a repeatable manner. So, you know, they might have their content themes. Let's let's imagine you're a small tourism business that is pet-friendly in Agnes Water where I live. So their content themes would be pet-friendly, um, you know, cafes pet-friendly beaches to take your dog off because you can't, I don't know what it's like on your side of the world, but here you can't just take your dog on any beach. Yeah, that's the same. So, so, <laughs> um, so all these different content themes, content themes, a lot of businesses actually waste a lot of time um, thinking, oh, what the heck am I going to post on Facebook today or what am I going to blog about? So a process that we see that is lacking over and over again and over and over again is just basically imagine like a white 
a simple whiteboard in their office with their content themes and a plan for the next month about what they should be posting online and what their stories should be about. So if it's, you know, the first thing you'll do is put down the school holidays and then you'd think backwards from that. So if it's going to be April school holidays and your pet-friendly business, you're obviously going to need to plan about ABC. And then you go, right, so there's going to be, I've got a blog post about this. Um, it was written a year ago. How about we just update it with new activities? And then we take snippets of that for our socials. That's a piece that I guess my my brain goes, oh, my goodness, we should just, this is just so easy to fix in your business. And, yeah, I guess that's one of the latest tools I guess I've set up, a simple Excel spreadsheet that allows them to brainstorm in advance and not just reinvent the wheel. So there's, that's how a lot of our products are are born. I love that because right. I advocate for the same thing. And I I, tr- I talk to clients about podcasts, for example, exactly what we're doing. And I, I obviously am an advocate for podcasts, right? And so I talk to them about how they could use it for their business. And sometimes I'm met with an eye roll or, okay, I like the idea, Miles, <laughs> but I don't have time for yet another thing. I'm already doing right. Facebook and I'm already doing a blog. And, and then I'll point out, to your point, yeah, you're doing them, but you might not be doing them well. And they're totally disjointed, or you actually haven't updated that blog in three years. Just because you have a, a link to it on your website doesn't mean you actually have a blog. And But the podcast can be sort of the hub of content creation, where if you plan what you're going to talk about, you have people to interview, you produce the podcast, that audio can be transcribed, now it's a blog post, you can edit that down even further, now it's a social post. If you record the podcast, even better, you've got a video that you can chop up, or you can take the audio and create a video with some free online tools that are out there. And now you've got consistent content and messaging that can span more than one month, sometimes off of one singular effort. So it's not doing more per se, it's being more purposeful with what you are doing and then stretching out how you can use it instead of just doing all these one-offs everywhere when you wake up and feel like it. Yeah, and I think that's so easy for us to see because we've got that that mind, but a lot of people that I work with, you know, they're an older generation from me. but what I find works well, they always tell me the first thing a tourism or tourism business will tell me is like, oh, you know, I, I want to do this, but I don't have time. And that's what really allowed us to, to set up Tourism Tribe. Uh, it's like it's going to save you time. And we start by teaching businesses. And I don't know how often you get frustrated with people forgetting their passwords, you know, if you work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I can tell you, I spent, uh, we do a, a ton of one-on-one coaching sessions via Zoom. And, you know, I'm like, okay, let's log in your Google Analytics. Oh, oh, I don't know, someone's changed the password. So the first thing we do is we fix the I don't have time. We give them half an hour extra a week by showing them how to use one password or last pass or whichever one you want to use. Right. So when we then we're like, okay, I've proven you. I've given you half an hour or an hour a week in your life back. <laughs> so now let's use that to get another three hours a week back. Um, but I guess it's part of, you know, my excitement. Yeah, I was mentioning earlier, sometimes I get really excited about this tech and you look at them and they just have a blank face. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, your mind goes, oh, you can do that and that and you'll connect that. And then you're just so excited. <laughs> yeah, I can hear the excitement <laughs> in your voice you. right now. I know, I know. But um, I think you make, a, you make a great point. You're, you, you gave them an early win, right? You showed them how much time they actually do have that they're yeah. using poorly and you give them that early win just on a little thing by password and now they're hooked and now it's kind of a game. How much more time can I save? How much more time can I save? How more efficient can I get? What more can I produce? 
and yeah, then that's right. You yeah. have to like they you have to find their number one roadblock, which is, and I'm sure it's the same for other businesses. I don't have time. Well, you don't have time because you're not organised. <laughs> have you ever? Did you ever want to go in a business and just fix it? Like this is kind of my dream job, right? Yeah. They hire me, and I'll just go and all right, let me just fix even just the business admin side of things. You know, how many times do I go to a business and they have they don't even, they just have pop emails so. The owner is out on a tour and an email's dropped into his iPhone and then it doesn't drop in the computer at reception and no one knows there's been someone sent an inquiry. Like, Yeah, it's, so, you're like, that's a so, head shaker right there. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, there, there's so many small wins that you can do uh, by leveraging technology smartly, simple things but smart things um, to already help with a business dramatically. It's not always about um, marketing. A lot of the time, I just find systems and processes that need to be to be set up. And I think the true the same is true for individuals too. When I, I do a lot of coaching as well on the side, running some mastermind groups, and I often hear people in their own life say, "I want to do this or start this business, but I don't have time." But then similarly, you break down how much time they spend on the couch watching Netflix. You know, and it's like you have actually three hours a day that you're just spending poorly that you could be doing what you want to be doing. You got to get out of your own way. Yeah. Yeah. So I've just come to the conclusion that we can only help those that want to be helped. Yeah. And that's what keeps us employed, right? That people let us help them and we get to have fun fixing stuff. That's right. It's just a long, a great relationship, you know, and especially for us, we work with clients. I remember my first ever workshop I ran. It was about TripAdvisor over 15 years ago. And I still remember because the gentleman that attended the workshop said, oh, my God, I've just bought the business. Uh, I've got four really bad online reviews. Can we just can this whole TripAdvisor thing? (laughs) And I said, well, let's sit down. No, you can't. You can't stop people from talking about you online. This is called Web 2.0. Do you remember those days? I do, So I'm like, how about I'll give you some tips and tools and processes so you can leverage it and turn it around. And I always remember David telling me, I call him David because he's become really good friends now. We've been friends for ever since that day, him and his wife. And and, uh, David said, oh, but I can't type on the computer, you know, 60-odd-year-old that, you know, typing was not (laughs) not his thing. Right. And uh, his wife said, oh, English is not my first language. I, I can't really respond really well to that review. And I'm like, David, meet Daniela, your wife, you're our team. Here's the solution. <laughs> David, you're going to talk. Daniela's going to type. And the answers to these four reviews on TripAdvisor have since then been my number one example that I use to teach people how to respond to a negative review. Oh, that's great. But they turned it around. You see, I just gave them a, a simple, simple tip that was so easy for me, but they hadn't come up with it because it's not their day-to-day job. And I remember when there was the global financial crisis, they told me that. They said, you know, we just rode the wave. We'd implemented every little thing that you said. And we came out really well at the other end. So I'm hoping that these processes will also help similar businesses through the coronavirus stage. Let's call it a stage to be positive. Right. (laughs) Um, I'm curious then, you've talked a little bit about processes you've implemented for your clients and you hear people say that their biggest problem is that they don't have time. What's your biggest problem as a business owner? What's something that somebody has helped you come in and they've fixed for you on the receiving end? 
My biggest problem, and, and Liz's biggest problem too, and thank goodness we found a solution a year ago uh, with our lovely business coach, Dolores, who I think has been on your podcast as well. Oh, yeah, Dolores um, Hirschman, right? Exactly. Oh, she is amazing. Yeah, she's I great. Was, I was actually listening to a podcast and I heard her and I booked a meeting. But our problem was just seeing, you know, getting um, advice for our own business because in what we do, we're really entrepreneurial and we always find we are ahead of the curve. But how do you find a business coach that can coach you and that's already experienced what you've gone through and can really give you clarity about your next steps? And you might know your next steps, but you might not know what direction to take to, you know, you're going to go north, south, or how are you going to get to that step? How are you going to keep motivated? So that's what really worked worked for us. That's great. Yeah, I think a lot of people are afraid to admit that they need a coach, you know, or they need help. But once you can get over that and make that ask and, and really, it's part of building your team, just like any other person you have in your organization, what you can achieve is amazing. Yeah, and how are you gonna? How are you gonna? It's like an orchestra, I guess. You just need a guiding, a conductor to to help you bring it all together, and have that guiding light. And it's it's just been amazing. Obviously, we also, um, you know, I use. A, I'm a part of a lot of Facebook groups. You probably are too. Um, for a lot of the tech tools that I use, and I'm finding this has been amazing to help us develop further and get all the advice the advice you need. Um, <laughs> I don't really write support tickets for all the software that I use anymore. I just go in Facebook groups and, and crowdsource my answers and, and help and share. That's great. Yeah, and then you look like the expert. You come back with the answer, and they don't need to know you got it from a Facebook group. You're just resourceful, and you got it done. Yeah, yeah, and and you learn more, and exactly. It's all about it's all about sharing and, and knowing, I guess, knowing how to implement something. I always tell um, businesses that, that we coach you know a lot of them don't really understand websites that much they get I was talking to a client yesterday a coaching client they told me that they wanted listen to that one they wanted a banner at the top of their website like a hello bar type banner to advise people to click on a button to see updates about their cancellation policy for coronavirus guess how much their web developer wanted to charge them for that banner on their wordpress website um, thousand bucks. Yep, exactly. Wow, thousand dollars, and they have four websites, so that was four thousand dollars. And they had the guts to tell them that this was half price from their usual price. So, <laughs> not knowing what you don't know has got such a cost associated to it. And oh, yeah. in terms of in terms of what I do, a lot of my coaching session, I just take control. And most of tourism businesses have WordPress websites nowadays. You know, um, I take control of the website, and I'm like, okay, you haven't got a right theme. You know, you don't even have a content editor like Elementor or Beaver Builder. Let's just put that on, and there you go. There's your bar. Five minutes. Yeah, and if they just typed into YouTube, I have a WordPress site, and I'm trying to do this. You know, they could crowdsource it just like you talked about before. That's that's crazy. Stuff like that yeah, makes me mad because it's like um, when it comes to marketing, there's like the used car salesman of marketing out there uh -huh. selling uh -huh. banners for a thousand bucks a pop that just gives the whole industry a bad name. And then that's people right. stop reaching out to people that actually know what they're doing because they've been taken advantage of. Or they think, oh, I've got a WordPress website and, and it's bad. Like I had another case, you know, it's really important. 
I'm sure you use it as well to utilize e-commerce tracking in your Google Analytics. In the tourism industry, a lot of people, it's like an online shop. You can book online. It's called the Book Now button. Mm -hmm. You can book online. But what's really important is to see what marketing campaign has generated your bookings. Is it your partnerships with your local tourism organization? Is it a Facebook ad? Is it a Google ad? Is it like an e-news that you spend three hours writing and you send to your entire database? So that's easily tracked with, you know, Google Analytics e-commerce tracking. But I see maybe only 2% of all the tourism businesses we work with, and we work with a lot through Tourism Tribe, only 2% have got that set up by their web developer or, or even, you know, have had their web developers tell them, well, you actually want to see where your bookings are coming from and do more of what's working and what's not working. And and that's not set up. So I just get so angry when people are sold the system and they're, they're not giving all the right information. Uh, and then, you know, they don't know. They think the system's not working, but they simply got the right advice. So if we can teach them to be more resourceful, and that's what we try to do with Tourism Tribe, you know, when people post questions in our support forum, it goes out to our other members. So without even having to interact, they can just self-educate and be aware that there's solutions for when they need when they have a problem as well. That's great. We're kind of going down a, a little rabbit hole here about just things to avoid or, you know, things to look out for. And so I'm curious, what's some advice you have for folks that are, you know, this is kind of just a general marketing question, some advice for folks that are looking into starting their website or setting up digital campaigns. What should they be on the lookout for? What's the one thing they should do if they do nothing else? What's yeah. Um, for that, I always use a metaphor and if you, you know, people always say Fabi uses millions of metaphors for everything she explains because I think it works really well when you don't have an IT background to explain things. Sure. <laughs> no, I love, I love metaphors. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm with um, you. Uh, the, the one thing, so I'll use a metaphor here. When you have a, when you have a small business, you might use a bookkeeper, you might use an accountant, but you need to understand how to read your books. You need to understand on a quarterly basis at least, at least you know, what your cash flow is, what your profit is, and so on. So you need to educate yourself. You would not hire an accountant if you did not really have the skills to assess whether or not your accountant is telling you fibs. Um, so you need to have that level of education to understand your profit and loss. And you need to start your business business with the same thought with regards to your online strategy. At any point in time, you need to be able to assess whether or not what you're spending time doing, and I'm, I'm insisting on the word time because a lot of these tools are free. Like let's say you write a newsletter, right? And my MailChimp would be free for, for a small tourism business. But you invest your time and you pay your team to write that content. You need to have to have visuals in place to see whether or not whatever you're doing online is is being fruitful or not um so yeah that's what your google analytics tracking i think is really important to have yeah and then obviously (laughs) oh good good um the other thing is you need to be able to assess whether or not your web developer is is using wordpress and let's use wordpress because it's so popular now five years ago would have been a different story i would have talked about different systems but you need to 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 assess whether or not your web developer is selling you a system that they have created in WordPress and they're just trying to on-sell because it's cost them a lot of money or if they're actually up to date with, you know, the latest threads, the latest plugins and so on. Yeah, that's great uh, and advice. 
Yeah, that that's the first thing. Like challenge them. If if they talk, if they come back and talk to you in something that doesn't sound like English and that you can't understand, well, you wouldn't continue talking to an accountant that couldn't explain things to you in plain English. That's why you pay them for. You pay them for their knowledge. Um, so if if that doesn't make any sense, just go and find another one. WordPress developers are like you know Toyota. What what brands of cars are really famous down? your side of the yeah, world. Yeah, Toyota's famous. That's good. Yeah, well, that's right. WordPress is like Toyota. You can go and get it serviced anywhere. Um, so make sure you, if, even if you have a WordPress site that's not doing the job for you, just go and see another another serviceman that yeah. will be able to fix it for you. Well, there you go. That's, so, you're right. You just packed two metaphors in there. Oh, I've got way more. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, the, that's my biggest advice in summary. Yeah, educate yourself enough to know whether or not you're being taken for a ride. Digital does not cost much, but it will it will cost you a lot and cost you a lot of time if you start with the wrong person or if you haven't had that basic level of education. And Google is a really good, you know, a good, how do I make sure my WordPress developer is telling me the right thing? They'll oh, give yeah. you plenty of answers. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm curious in talking about people's journey there, picking a, a web developer and just setting set up in general. How, you know, again, I, I could hear your excitement in your voice again, getting started. And so I'm curious how, how your journey's unfolded. We talked about it, but if you had to look back on everything so far and you could give me like the peak, what's been the, the best moment along your entrepreneurship journey, building tourism tribe, traveling in the caravan, everything you've accomplished and built and you will do, What's the biggest moment you look back on and just smile from ear to ear? Every time I've, um, every time I've been able to talk to people and come up with ideas and finding ways to implement implement these ideas. You know, I was traveling and I was I've been friends with Liz, my business partner, for a long time, and you know, would catch up over Facebook or the phone. And what are you up to? And and she's like, oh, what about this? Do you think we should do this? I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, let's let's implement it. So it's not just one big moment but it's a lot of different conversations and a lot of different inspiration from different businesses along the way so you know we were traveling and meeting so many tourism businesses and understanding their needs on the ground and then having the ability to have the strategic discussion with a lot of industry people on how we're going to bridge that gap and and I guess my technical background, as you said, I get excited in my voice. I have the tools in my mind and, and I can connect it all. So being able to have the human side of understanding what people's needs are and, and have that motivation from the entrepreneurship and the strategic level discussions with other industry experts is what just gets me going. That's great. Yeah, I could hear you getting going again. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's, that's a great that's a great answer, though, because it's – it's rare that there is just one big moment that sticks out. It's the slow compounding over many victories that that create a successful and long-lasting career and, and legacy that you can look back on and be proud of. And sharing, I think, remembering those moments, remembering those wins. You know, every end of financial year, we try and do a little PowerPoint or something where we just write down all the things we've achieved this year. Because it's in such a fast-moving environment where you can launch ideas and, you know, two days later can them if it doesn't work. Sometimes you lose track of your, of your big goals. So being able to just take your team, because we do have a team, take your team through what was achieved in the wins um, is really important as well for corporate culture and company morale. You're, you're 100% correct. It's, 
it's really easy to focus on just some negative stuff and forget to go back and, and count the victories. So that's, that's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. So speaking of counting, if you had to count to just three, how would you describe that journey of, of lots of, of victories, you know, that the compounding effect we talked about for your, your biggest moment, how'd you describe it all in just three words? Well, it's going to be a bit more than three, but you can, the last three words can go together. Okay. Um, living, <laughs> living life to the full. That is my motto. And so has that always been your motto or did something happen that made you sort of claim that as your motto? Um, my, my life has always been actually a, a big adventure, you know, like throwing myself from leaving Switzerland when I was 25 to deciding to move to Australia and just start again. Um and then funny enough, that live life to the full <laughs> is um, I met my husband on the internet on online dating. Many years ago, there was only one online dating site in Australia and it wasn't Tinder. And that was his name. That was his username on the website, live life to the full. And in, in difficult moments, you know, when you're like, oh, you're not being successful with whatever project you're working on or you're frustrated, I always I always think about that as a guiding light. You've only got one life and and <laughs> you got to make yourself happy first because you, before you can make anyone else happy. And that's been something very, very important to me that I guess he's been able to summarise for me unknowingly, but it's really what I do. Like, you know, decide to go caravanning around Australia. Yeah, no worries. We'll make it happen. Um, just stay positive, come up with ideas and, and don't just come up with ideas, but bring them to life. Right. Yeah. Taking action is so important. Take action. It annoys me so much when you, you read, you know, um, probably the same on your local Facebook community page about people whinging and I just want to go, well, do something about it. Yeah. Well, but but I realize that not all, not everyone is actually driven to, yeah. to do something. I was going to say, one of my biggest pet peeves now is when someone tells me I can do anything I put my mind to, and I'm just like, yeah. no, I can do anything I take action towards. You know, it's not enough to just put my mind to it and think about it and talk about it. I have to actually do it, and then I can make it happen. That's right. I think making decision to make it happen, for me, is the hardest because I know that the doing would just unfold. Uh, and I've noticed with a lot of small businesses we work with, they lack the understanding of how the doing will happen and that's a lot because they lack the, um, yeah, the education and technology or, or, you know, it doesn't have to be web marketing, just basic technology. I don't know if they've ever never had the interest of of finding out how things work. Um, I remember my husband always, I'm always amazed when my husband can, he can fix anything, right? He's like a, an engineer, mechanical engineer. Uh, there's anything that breaks, the mower, the car, the excavator, because we run an excavation business as well. Um, he can just fix things. And and he told me, you know, he built cars when he was kids. He, he was a kid. He pulled apart an engine and put it together to understand how it works. And I guess I've done that with a small business. Like I've done that with all the tools from a small business, running online, connecting your accounting software, connecting Slack, Zoom, you know, making your work fit in with your lifestyle. But I realized that not everyone does that for digital and they they stop there because, well, their email comes on their mobile but doesn't come on their desktop. And, And what we see as something so simple to fix, it's what's been stopping them 
from from continuing and, and growing their business. Yeah, and it's like you said, it's um, whether it's getting an hour back for your passwords, right? Those little things add up to such huge, huge moments and you know just capacity that you can unleash mm. to then go do actual business and not you know the sort of pushing papers around quote unquote business. So yeah. exactly, and that and the ability, I guess, in our industry from being very small businesses that are located very further, very far away from one another, is also being to able to exchange ideas and and network with similar businesses um, that are located elsewhere. I remember when we set up Tourism Tribe, and I can tell you exactly, I was parked in the caravan on the top of a hill in Agnes Water that someone lent us a block to stay on. And uh, we put an application in um, for the World Tourism Organization. There was an award for entrepreneurial tourism businesses. And I designed one of these little videos, you know, how you, with, with fake people in it. And designing the video, I re- it really came through that what we wanted to do was to connect businesses from all around the world to run a more efficient business in the tourism industry. Because you don't want to, you might be isolated locally, but there's a world of knowledge available using the internet to allow you to not reinvent the wheel and connect with other people. And and a lot of our people, our members, don't realise that you can do that easily because they're not from that generation. That you know, you and I would turn to YouTube, Facebook, and so on and find someone. I can find people in my Facebook group and know how to talk them. Jump on LinkedIn, find their yeah. find their details, but they can't do that. It's it, they can do many other things, but they're not born with that with that tech mind. So um, yeah, it's amazing. It's really when we get people emailing us and saying, "Oh, you know, I couldn't, I would not be without my tribe." You bring me so much um, joy and 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 the ability to see that I'm not alone in my little island on the south of Tasmania running my business. There's other people like me and we can all share and be better and grow as an industry. That's just, that just keeps you going too. Yeah, I love that. I love that a lot. And so if people out here are listening to this, they hear the passion in your voice, they want to connect with their tribe and connect with you, where should we send them after they listen to this interview? Tourismtribe.com. Great. Everything's there. You can find more about me. You can find more about our members. Um, We have a free course called the Smart Tourism Marketing System. You know, we're talking about safe password management and not not get ripped off by your web developer. Um, You can sign up for that. It's a five-day course that will just give you the basics to make sure you've you've got the bottom of your pyramid in place in order to build a thriving business. Well, we will send people there. And I appreciate you joining me from the future for this podcast call. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you and Tourism Tribe, and I look forward to connecting again in the future. Thank you so much. It was fabulous. All right, that's a wrap for this week's episode. A very special thank you to Fabienne for joining us all the way from Australia. I'm loving these international guests that we're getting. I hope you guys are too. And thanks to all of you for listening. I really appreciate you joining me, spending some time with Relish the Journey, If you like this episode and you know somebody in your circle that would like it as well, please share the episode. That's how we grow the audience and continue to spread this message of slowing down, smelling the roses, and relishing the journey. Until next time, everybody, cheers.